Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. How's your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As we lead off every Saturday morning with, and it will always be, the Good Gardening Stroll. Afterwards, we'll discuss what's impacting your trees, your perennials, that hillside, shrubs, lawn, ground cover, and anything planted in your outdoors. Or I can step inside and you can tell me about your tropical world, from routine care and maintenance to what's impacting, uh, or should you be repotting or transplanting, or should it be a bigger pot, or what is there bugs on things and suspicious growth or spots? Oh, boy, oh, boy, there's so much going on. Anyway, I'll share my knowledge, and hopefully it will help you make a good decision, but the action is going to be up to you which direction you want to go. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you having me in and about your plant world. Very, another very important player is Drew. He's producing. He's been producing for several weeks in a row now, so I don't know exactly he, if he likes it or not, but it doesn't matter. He does a great job, and that's what's important. So when you call, he just needs your first name, and that's where it goes. Then you go up on the computer screen. Uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides a Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. I'm still a little bit behind on getting back in touch with everybody, but uh, I'm making good progress. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As I started off this morning... You could actually see clouds, individual clouds, and some sunlight highlighting some of those clouds. But by now, it's just all the same color of gray. But uh, anyway, when I, I pulled in uh, across the street from where the building is here, and uh, a couple of squirrels were bouncing all over the place. They were checking the sidewalk and street looking for breakfast. I don't think they were really finding too much. There's... From where we are, or where I took my good gardening stroll, City Hall's across the street. And what this was, or what this is, is a Missouri Historical Society branch, and it's a Soldier's Memorial Museum. The pillars were uplighted on this unique building that sits at Pine and 13th Street. 
liriope on the slopes waiting to burst into growth. Neatly pruned boxwood sit on top of the hillside. Neatly pruned, almost like uh, the haircuts you get when you're in the Air Force, or which I was, or when you're uh, in the military just in general. Nicely mulched, too. I mean, wow. Even with the rain and anything, it hasn't you know, migrated down the hill. Uh, granite steps upwards from the sidewalk, and uh, the base of the building is a granite as well, a foundation, and more boxwood are running across the foundation. Riddles, <laughs> riddles remind me of last night's rain. No, puddles do. <laughs> oh, I'm hearing voices in my ear. <laughs> uh, anyway, the puddles remind of the rain last night, and the signage reminds you also around the Soldiers Memorial. Let's keep off the statues and no trespassing between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., and on the chestnut side, there's a huge banner, and it says Vietnam War at Vietnam, at war, and at home, an exhibit that runs through May 27th, 2024. An open-air entrance to this uh, you know, unique situation, the Soldiers Memorial, has a starry, starry ceiling decorations. And the plaza across the street has, uh, it's a Blue Star Memorial, and it's Supported by several different organizations in the besides the city of St. Louis, Brightside St. Louis. No, not Brightside St. Louis. But anyway, you have to come and look at the sign to find out exactly what it was. It has benches, has lawn, liriope, various types of trees, both flowering and shade trees, and a sweet gum tree. So there's plenty of sweet gums on one corner and sweet gum balls on the ground. And uh, there's junipers, there's uh, a long market, there's boxwood, there's oak leaf hydrangeas, there's some other hydrangeas with numerous plaques dedicated to those who have served our country. So thanks to everybody that served. And, uh, boy, it's just, uh, it was kind of cool this morning, but it was nice to walk around the Soldiers Memorial. The flags, there's no breeze. So the even though the temperature is kind of coolish, mid-30s, I uh, didn't feel all that bad at all. So anyway, if you do have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Why don't we go ahead and just take a call before we take a break. Let's go over to John's yard. Hi, John. Yeah, uh, Mike. Uh, I live in your old neighborhood over in uh, Ellisville. Oh. And I have a oak tree. It's probably about 42 years old. I couldn't tell you what type of variety. But uh, uh, it's losing some bark in the middle, which kind of shows indications to me that it's going to start splitting. And I got a yard guy who's not a horticulturist who told me it might be a good idea to wrap wrap uh, burlap around the trunk of it. And it will at least uh, keep that moist where the uh, bark's falling away. Uh, what's your opinion on that? I would say that wouldn't. That's kind of a useless, you know, circumstance. How high up is the bark splitting? Oh, right at the uh, uh, split of the tree, which it's kind of like, you know, where it forks off. It's probably about five foot high. Also, not too high up in the along the trunk. Probably what yeah. I do is before you do anything, 
you might be just wasting your energy and time. I'd get a, you know, get a tree service to come out and take a look at it. Because as Joe, okay. you know, I mean, that was okay to, to do that, but I don't think it's going to solve the problem. So you need to find out what the problem is and see if it can be fixed other than, you know, just wrapping something around. And certainly don't put any sealer or, or anything like that on no. it. And, but if there is loose bark, I would go ahead and just pull the, any kind of loose bark off. And that okay. way, the, when the arborist gets there, they can see, you know, kind of the transition point from where the bark is, you know, sloughing off and then also where it's really tied to the trunk. Okay, sounds great. Really appreciate your help and uh, appreciate your service. Well, great. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open. And as I'm walking around and, well, around Soldiers Memorial today and just through the neighborhood and everything else, oh, we're so close to lots of things just exploding as far as uh, trees and shrubs, flowering-wise and everything else. So it should be a fantastic spring because we really only had that one nasty early winter cold that did some damage to some of the broadleaf evergreens. But for the most part, this has been a pretty mellow winter. So let's head over to Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hi. Uh, we have two crepe myrtles, which I think are probably about at least 18 years old. Uh, I believe they were Hopi, H-O-P-I, so they're more of a rounded shrub. Um, but anyway, uh, by the end of the summer last year, they've grown to about 8 feet, 7 or 8 feet tall. <clears throat> I'd like to keep them uh, more compact and a lot smaller. Uh, and um, we do get them, I do get them pruned every year, but I always kind of forget. When is the best time to prune those in the spring, and, and how much can be done, uh, how much can be taken off safely? Uh, basically, anything that blooms in the summertime can be pruned all the way up to the point where you start to see some you know, new growth. So in other oh. words, even though it's not going to be flower buds, it's going to be foliage buds, so you want to get them pruned before that. And I never really like at one time to cut more than like 20 or 25% off. So if you okay. need to have them smaller, then just do it over a series of years as opposed to trying to just whack them down to whatever size you're wanting all okay. at once. I think the confusing part, uh, uh, I had talked to the botanical garden once or twice about this matter of pruning. And, and to my amazement, they've said, oh, we take ours down to six inches from the ground and let them grow up every year. Is that because they're different varieties? It could certainly be that. And also, I mean, they're just, they're kind of using their uh, crepe myrtles as uh, more or less uh, almost an annual type flower. And so consequently, mm-hmm. you know, if variety wise, and historically, if it's been done, that's different than letting something, a shrub, you know, crepe myrtle, whatever type, get mm-hmm. as high as it is, as, you know, eight feet as, as you're calling it, and then taking mm-hmm. it down from eight feet down mm-hmm. to six inches. Oh, they yes. Theirs, you know, theirs probably get maybe two to three feet every year, and then they cut them back down. So it's just uh-huh. it's sort of like a bonsai that, uh-huh. you know, if, a, if the plant is used to being pruned, 
and kept at a certain size, then it's going to be, you know, that's going to be fine. But it's like going to a garden center and Mm -hmm. getting a tree and the tree is, let's say, even just three feet high and you're trying to prune it down to make it into a bonsai. It's not going to work. I I should have said that every spring... Uh, we I do have these pruned back, mm-hmm. and I think usually about halfway, uh, just you know, and then and then and then they gradually grow up and and bloom. Well, historically, if that's what you've been doing, then you can cut them back to that if you've been so having the amount of flowering and everything else. Okay, okay, but just do it before I see tiny little green buds or leaves. Right, exactly. Much sure, my pleasure. Thank you. And from Susan's yard, let's go over to Deb's. Hi, Deb. Hello. Hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm 72 years old, and I've never called into a radio station before. So feel honored. We're the same age. <laughs> oh, and, and you said you were in the Air Force? Yes. So was my husband. Ah. So. Okay. So I don't know if you can help me, but I can't find anyone to tell me. The outside birdhouses? Should we clean those out? Uh, If you have an easy way to open them up and clean them out, yes. But just to take them down and try to shake all the stuff out, I would say don't bother. The birds know how to clear it out if they want to get rid of some of the stuff. We have a couple of mourning doves that continue to build a nest uh, in part of our gutter you know, and it's an area that doesn't, you know, influence the you know flow of water in the gutter or anything else. But they come back, and they've been coming back for several years. And what they do is they kind of throw some of the old nests away, and then they bring in some new stuff to kind of, I guess, revamp it. But, uh, no, you don't need to do that. Okay. Well, I do have – I think it does open to where, you know, if I opened it, some of it would fall out. But but when when do I do it? Because I don't know when they have their eggs and stuff. Right. I would say you should be doing it really quickly because it's going to be – you know, they're going to okay. be laying eggs real soon because I'm just saying that because of even seeing these morning doves, they're working on the nest right now. So, in other words, they're getting you know prepared to start laying eggs. But maybe in the future – you should probably take a, and clean them out earlier in the, let's say, earlier in the year in January or something like that before any of the birds are going to be using the birdhouse at all. Okay. Well, I, w- I was going to, but every time I thought about cleaning it out, I'd see some bird go in there. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know when you'll want it cleaned. Well, but... then I would say just leave it alone. Okay, thank you so much. I love your show. Everybody loves your show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Sure, thank you. Again, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yeah, this is a time of year where lots of, you know, stuff is going to be happening real soon, and that's kind of the interesting part of uh, our, you know, our weather circumstance just in general. And this year, as I said before, this has been a very mild year as far as any kind of uh, damage to any of the uh, flowering trees, shrubs, or anything else. I haven't seen any, you know, other than the aesthetic damage to some of the broadleaf evergreens, the euonymus, which got, you know, that cold snap, which burnt all the leaves off. But we've had several calls about those uh, euonymus hedges, and I've been, you know, noticing and monitoring Yes, they are the brown leaves that got frozen or cold 
overly cold, uh, have dropped off. But I'm seeing a lot of buds in those situations. So I would say if that's happened to your hedges or your individual plant and uh, it's lost a lot of foliage, I would say don't do any pruning at all because the buds are really formed and you start uh, pruning, you're going to be cutting off the buds. And then then the chances of them resetting buds to have some new foliage is going to be somewhat reduced. And uh, I would say just leave them alone since they had some damage due to the cold weather early in the, you know, really late fall. But uh, and then let them go. And then maybe next year, think about pruning. If they leaf out and everything looks, you know, halfway good, then do the pruning at that time. Let's go over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. I think you just answered my hello. Hi. How are you doing today? Good. Graduation, you're 72. I'm 72, too. <laughs> <laughs> you born in <laughs> 1950, right? <laughs> no, I'm 49. You ain't no 40. <laughs> I was born in 49. So I would. Oh, you was born in 49, so you'd be 74, right? Right. This year. And I'll be 73. I was just sort of rounding things off. Oh, okay. Anyway, I think you answered my questions about, oh, I got about eight of them that usually stay green in the winter. Uh-huh. They, what they, you, you, how you pronounce it? Euonymus? Yeah, because E-U-O-N-Y-M-U-S. Exactly. Okay. But uh, I did, got concerned about them, and uh, I went to the garden store and they said it's a disease in there and for me to use this stuff that they gave me when the weather gets, you know, not raining or nothing. Is that correct? Well, uh, if it's a foliage turned brown, like in late fall, like, you know, I'm talking about, that had nothing to do with the disease. Now, did you take some stems or something and they saw that there was, because if the foliage just turned brown all at once like that, that was related to cold. It had nothing to do with the disease. Okay, they're not all brown. Some of them are brown, some of them are green, because I got about eight of them in it, y'all, right. on the front and the back. But I just want to know, I was supposed to take it to the garden, one of the garden stores. They told me, clip something off, take it to them, and they'll tell me yeah. what's going on. But I think you just answered my question. But I'm just trying to see, should I use the disease that they gave me? Well, I mean, if the, if you don't have a you know a disease circumstance or an insect, they may I don't know what they gave you, but uh, that just seems rather odd that they would just you know kind of assume that's what it was without realizing there was some major damage to a lot of the broadleaf evergreens. Some of the boxwood were damaged, but nothing like the euonymus were. Okay, I'll just take my chance because I was at the uh, handyman store, you know, and. Uh, some people don't know everything like you do, so. <laughs> well, you know, know everything. <laughs> well, not, not, you don't know. We all don't know everything, but you're more experienced, I think, me listening to you for these years. So I'll just leave them alone. And yes. They are, I see a little, little red bugs coming up. Yes, right. I mean, I was so, surprised, that, you know, this one house, they were really, I mean, the buds weren't opening up yet, but, I mean, they were really... I mean, they were pushing out, so it looked like. The, but they lived it less than a penny. Right. You know, oh, yeah, much less. You know, right. So I'm gonna leave them alone, and uh, ain't gonna. I was gonna clip them, like you said, but you said don't clip. They, 
come out back out. I hope they do because I spent a lot of money on these, and I love them for the winter. Y'all, y'all still look, you know, right. I'll keep you no more. Thank you very much for sure. helping me. Thank you. Have Gloria. a good day. Bye bye. And three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Phone lines are open, and we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you still have some of your poinsettias from Christmas season or the holiday season, let's put it that way, and they're still looking pretty good, well, I mean, you can have those as houseplants. So just make sure that you have them in front of a nice sunny window. And when the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot, then you can go ahead and water them. Just make sure you don't water them too much. And uh, with your amaryllis, if you had amaryllis, got them as a gift for uh, the holiday season too. They're finished flowering. Then you just cut that flower stalk off and just, again, put them in front of a nice sunny window and just water them infrequently. I would say, I have to say, infrequently. But uh, when the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot, that's the way I've always done it, or you know, the best way i found. And then you're going to start to see some foliage coming out from the amaryllis. And then next year, when or even later on this year, you're going to be cutting those leaves off in like uh, August or so, and then just leave them, leave them alone. And then all of a sudden, you're going to start to see another flower bud shooting up from the center of the bulb. So amaryllis is a bulb. Poinsettia is not. So let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Yeah. I would like to know how soon can you get a yard ready to put grass seed down? Uh, You're not going to put any kind of chemicals down, right? No. Okay. So basically what you the best thing to do is just wait until the forsythias in bloom and that's that's kind of a good signal that the ground is warm enough that when you put the seed down then it's going to be germinating in a relatively let's say timely basis because if you put it down you should probably be able to do it now because of the way our weather's been but uh, the forsythia is you know a pre-emergent type thing but you're not putting pre-emergent down. You're just putting grass seed. So uh, ideally, it's when the soil temperature is uh, around 55 degrees a couple days in a row. But it's really kind of getting you know warmish, and uh, so really relatively soon you're going to be able to put the lawn seed down. Okay, thank you. Yep, and uh, make sure that you, if you're trying to match your existing lawn. That if you don't know exactly if you have a fescue or a bluegrass, then you get you know make sure you get the seed to match whatever you have as opposed to just you know because it just makes it too chaotic if you have fescue and, and bluegrass growing together, and then a zoysia zoysia seed just doesn't work and that's a summer you know warm season type lawn. So thanks, Bob. And okay, have a good day. Yep, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Just watch out. Uh, you know, we live across the street from uh, Christie Park, and Christie Park, a lot of the leaves blow up into our yard. Now, <laughs> speaking of that, our, our living room window looks, and one of our bedroom windows 
looks straight out onto Christie Park. And it's been a fantastic view of uh, the park. We really enjoy it. But now, guess what? We've had Spire come in. So Spire has a big, has a trailer there. And right outside of our living room window, Spire put their Johnny on the spot. So now instead of seeing the, you know, the ground, I mean, we still see the trees because the trees are large and everything else. We're looking out our windows and seeing Johnny on the spot and a Spire trailer. Oh, I don't know how long they're going to be there, but uh, my guess is they're going to be there for a while. But anyway, those kind of things happen. So if utilities have to be taken care of. Uh, and uh, I'm sure those gas lines are probably pretty old. So anyway, let's head over to Dave's. Hi, Dave. Hello. I was just calling. Uh, I didn't know if it was time to put down the weed feed in my lawn yet. Uh, I'll be waiting a little bit longer. Yeah, I'd probably wait on that because uh, the really uh, the broadleaf weeds may be growing, but uh, they're probably not growing, you know, enough to make a to get the best impact out of your uh, your uh, you know weed and feed. Yeah. So no I'd probably I'd wait until at least probably mid March, and okay. if not, even a little bit later. It's all going to be dependent upon the weather. But once you start to see some of the growth, and that's, you know, some of the aggravating growth, then that's when you want to put it down. Okay, I was just making sure. I was thinking I was a couple of weeks early, but just wanted to make sure, and I knew you would be able to answer it. So I appreciate your help. Thank you a lot. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Um, maybe we should suggest to that man that he put down the pre-emergent <laughs> <laughs> because he'll be— He'll be feeding his uh, crabgrass if he does have any crabgrass. Right, Our that's true. Lawn person just put that down a couple of days ago. I wanted to ask about I have I don't know they're probably jonquils or daffodils already blooming, um, and then I have you know others that are just emerging. So is it okay? I think you're supposed to put the um, you know it would be Miracle Grow I would use a food on them now since they have emerged. Is it too cold to do that? No, no. Basically, when the foliage is, you know, you know, erupting, it's a little bit too soon right at the beginning. But definitely any of them that are flowering, they should be fertilized. And any of them that are just having some foliage growth, regardless of what type of bulb, uh, they should be fertilized, too. So and just use half the label rate, but do a couple of fertilizations, like maybe one or two weeks apart. And with the final fertilization, when the foliage starts the flowers finish, and the foliage starts turning brown. Oh, three fertilizations. Okay. When the flowers finish and it starts turning brown. Okay. All right. That sounds great. I, I just didn't know if it was, like, too chilly to do that. And it's, it's okay to use a liquid. Sorry, Linda, I don't hear you. Oh. It is okay to do that, as chilly as it is. I don't know what happened. I'll just... Hang on. Well, thanks, Linda, but uh, I didn't get to hear that last part. Drew's coming over here to take a look.
Teresa, how are you? Hello. No, I can't. Hello, I'm here. Why don't we take a break and see if we can come back. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. As you've heard me talk earlier in the year about uh, spraying a dormant oil, horticultural oil on your uh, plant material, your woody plant material, what that does is actually suffocates all basically different life stages of bugs, of insects. And guess what? It's getting a little bit too late. But what you can still do, not using the dormant oil, but there is a lightweight horticultural oil that you can spray, which will also suffocate the bugs without doing any kind of damage to your plant. And that's why the the dormant horticultural oil cannot be sprayed this time of year because it can damage your buds and things along that line. But the lightweight summer horticultural oil can. So you're hearing me say horticultural oil, two different types. Dormant ones stay away from. The other one, go ahead and apply if you do have a bug problem. Let's go over to Teresa's. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, We have taken out some trees about 20 years ago, and when they filled in the the hole with um, the chippings, and now the chippings are all decayed and everything, and we want to have someone come in and fill in the hole. And uh, I want to know the process that you would recommend so when they do it, I can kind of watch them to make sure they know what they're doing. <laughs> well, as long, 20 years ago, there probably shouldn't be any wood chips left, and really it wasn't the best thing to do to mm. you know, leave the w- wood chips in place because they, it makes it really difficult for plant material to grow for you know three to five to seven years after the wood chips are there until they finally rot away completely. But now they can come in. I'd probably do a mixture of a compost and topsoil and, you know, infill these spots. Okay. And it's really irregular. So should they, re- they fill it, like overfill it and dig anything out first or just put it in? No. 20 years ago, there's nothing to dig out. So, okay. you know, I don't know what there is down in there right now, but uh, they shouldn't really have to do too much. But just probably make it so when they fill it an, an inch or two higher than the surrounding ground because there is going to be some, there's a lot of air, you know, with this product that they're bringing in. And as that air kind of you know, rain and everything else, it'll sink and you don't want to have another depression in this spot. Right. So right. let them decide what type of soil that you have. And it could be, you know, just two inches higher than the surrounding ground, but it may need to be a little bit higher than two inches. So just an analysis of the individual spots going to be the best thing to do. Okay. Should they tamp it in then? Uh, They don't need to tamp it. Just put it in. Yeah. If they want to tamp it, they can. But uh, that doesn't, you know, sometimes that's good, but sometimes that's not so good. So you can, you you know, compact it too much. Mm-hmm. So just, like I said, overfill it and then let it settle naturally due to rain or due to just natural settling type thing. Okay, and, and they should seed it too, right, With uh, so it's not just raw dirt sitting on top. Yeah. If you, you should put some seed on. Okay. Yeah, if, they, yeah, if, you want, if this, you're going to plant lawn there, you're going to plant mm-hmm. whatever they're planting, you know, whatever you're planting on planting. 
But probably what I'd do is I wouldn't, I'd go ahead, get it done, and then wait for a week or two after to see, you know, the settling before I put any seed down. Oh, okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yes, I do. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Have a good day. You too. And uh, guess what, folks? Wildlife is out there starting to see more and more beyond just the squirrels, as I was talking about earlier today. But to watch out for uh, any kind of chipmunks, mice, voles. They eat lots of different stuff. They're attracted to bird seed, and they can do some damage to the base of lots of different woody plant materials. And so just keep that in mind. Also, mole activity is going to start increasing because the moles are just going to, as the, as the ground warms up, earthworms start moving, and that's the main food for the moles. And then as a result of that, they're, gonna, they're hungry because they've had you know, their dormancy during the wintertime, so they're going to start tunneling all over the place. And so, yes, they do eat grubs, and they eat spiders, and they eat millipedes, and they eat centipedes and roly-polies, but their main diet is the earthworms. And when the ground warms, that's when the earth, earthworms start moving, and then consequently that's what happens. So if you start to see piles of dirt on the top of your soil or on top of your ground, that's where moles, there's two different tunnels. One's a surface tunnel, and that's the, you know, the feed line. And then the lower one is the one that takes them back to their sleeping den and you know, circumstances like that. Also, the moles of females are going to start having babies really soon, and they're going to need more food as a result of uh, you know, them feeding the babies. So just keep, you know, keep that in mind, too. It's a good time to go out there and take a look at uh, your landscape in general and just you know, walk around this time of year. And just see what, you know, if you think you may need something or, you know, maybe some things need some pruning. Maybe, you know, some things don't. And uh, as a result of that, suckering off the, at the base of certain plants, especially trees or shrubs that have been grafted, you want to take those suckers off because usually that's coming off the root system and it's not going to be consistent with the, uh, the, uh, the rest of the type of, or rest of the plant. And uh, when you're... If you have perennials, let's say, whether they're ornamental grasses, guess what? Those brown blades can be cut off now. Depending upon the variety of ornamental grass that it is, you can cut it back to a certain, you know, certain height. The larger ones, a maiden grass, you're going to be cutting that probably off to six to eight inches. But remember also, a lot of the varieties of ornamental grasses are clump growers. So the center will not put, you know, produce out any kind of new growth whatsoever. So you're only going to get the new growth green blades coming out off the perimeter. And some of the other grasses are not quite as big, so those would be cut down, you know, to to a lower height. But so it's not such a difficulty as far as cleaning them up and everything else. I just put a, you know, just wrap wrap the blades to hold them together and just use a hedge trimmer and cut them all the way across. And also with your perennials, any of the perennials that you have, any brown foliage that's still there, uh, go ahead and just cut that off. It was wise for at least the fall blooming ones to leave the brown foliage because it offered a little bit of protection during the wintertime, but we're getting past, you know, where the severe, hopefully, (laughs) severe temperatures are finished and over with. So cut all the brown debris off because what that has 
it's a potential for disease, and also it can be, uh, let's say, an attractant for uh, possible insects. And inside your house, uh, your house plants, the days are getting longer, so fertilizing your house plants is certainly okay to do, but probably best off with your house plants, do them at half the label rate. So if it says one teaspoon per or one tablespoon per gallon, get rid of you know don't do do one teaspoon per gallon as opposed to one tablespoon per gallon because isn't it uh, two teaspoons per tablespoon? That's always a real difficult you know, thing to read. No, it's not. But anyway. And if you're putting any kind of chemical down, whether it's fertilizer, whether it's an insecticide, whether it's a fungicide or anything else, and you're doing it yourself, make sure that you read and follow the label. Because those things, if you don't do that, you may not get any reaction or good reaction from uh, applications, and you may cause more harm than good. So just make sure that you read the label. It's just really, really important. And uh, this is a time of year where uh, the garden center should start having plant material real soon. And if they don't have it yet, they're going to. So the herbs are going to be coming in soon. The, uh, the pansies are going to be coming in soon. So I'm going to actually head to a garden center today after the show and see what they, you know, what they happen to have there and try to get some, uh, get some color because, I wasn't able to get uh, my spring bulbs in the ground uh, because I wasn't able because of some mess ups. But anyway, so I usually put them in pots, but I don't. I have some in the ground and they're going fine, but they're not uh, blooming yet. But uh, so, just I mean, just take a look around and just look at your landscape. Look up at the trees. You start to see branches that have no larger branches or even smaller branches, not too small, of course. But uh, with no bark on them, hmm, that's not a good sign. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will be back after the news. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And yes, this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline. It's the tip of the trial hour, which is a special recognition on air for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And this week it is brought to you, every week it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, though, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, comments, Related to your plant world, whether they're inside or outside, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Drew will be answering. He's a producer. He answers the phone and everything else. All he needs to know is your first name. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about or anything else. Hopefully, I'll be able to f- answer your questions. And thanks for inviting me into your sh- onto your show where discussions range from making a plant selection for a specific location, uh, how to care for those plants. Let's say talking about what should be done during peak season versus the humdrum times, whether annuals, spring, summer bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous plant materials, ground covers, perennials, ah, those great cascading house plants, Warm or cool season lawns, shrubs, classic roses, or whatever it happens to be. So I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And uh, as I said before, Drew is producing, very important player in the whole game. He produces all the buttons and everything else, and at the same time, he answers the phone. And by the way, uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and see your plant world with an on-site consultation. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and in the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today's tip of the trowel is brought to you by Salos Composting. 636-861-3344. 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to everybody who has planted daffodils in their yard. Now, I will tell you this. The daffodils that are on the south side of people's houses are up and fully bloomed, where in other directions on the sides of your house or in your landscape, uh, because of the south side is warming up quicker, that's why they're blooming on that side of the house's and the other areas, there's buds are still forming and not opening yet. And some of them are just still put, producing the foliage and not the flower buds yet at all. So everybody that has daffodils in their yard, I greatly appreciate it as I walk around or as we drive around. And uh, one person right across, di- you know, diagonally across the street from us, Jessica, she has some miniature daffodils along her house foundation. And they have been there for a long time. She's been, I don't know how long she's been in the house, but the previous owners are, who knows how long they've been in the ground. But they've been there for a long time. So consequently, 
that uh, shows you how tough and durable some of the varieties are. And uh, these were, you know, like I said, they're miniatures. So the fly, the standard type, the flowers are probably, oh, let's say, inch and a half by an inch and a half. These are about uh, an inch by an inch. But still, the foliage looks good, and they are on the south side of the house. So the reflective heat from the house foundation and the house just in general made it so they are really looking good. Uh, as you go head out to your uh, into your yard today, I mean, it looks like the sun's pushing out. So I thought it was going to be just, and I can see, start to see some blue sky too. So why not take a walk around your yard and realize that some of the real aggravations, the weeds are very optimistic, opportunity that weeds take advantage of the situation. So daffodils are blooming, yes, and that means you got weed explosions happening on your your side of the, you know, on the south side of the house. The cool season annual weeds, well, they're going to they're still going to do okay for another probably 3 or 4 weeks and then they're going to start to disappear. And that's a chickweed, that's the uh, rabbit's uh, rabbit foot clover, the speedwell and things like that, they're going to be gone, but they've been producing seeds the whole time they've been growing. And but right now, when the forsythia is starting to bloom, I haven't seen any blooming yet. But I've seen some of the shrubs, and the buds are really getting open or close to opening up. So this is a time of year where you want to think about putting a pre-emergent down. Uh, I'd probably wait for another week or so, or two weeks, and then put the pre-emergent down. But you definitely want to get it down before any of the annual warm season weeds start germinating. So that includes spurge, ragweed, knotweed, lamb's quarter, carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass. All those are annual warm season weeds that just go dormant after, you know, when the season changes. But the whole time they've been growing, they've been dropping seed. And even though you're not conscious of it. If you want to head out also, and uh, if you have a cool season lawn, whether it be fescue or bluegrass, it wouldn't hurt to go ahead and cut it down a little bit, regardless of how t- you know how tall it is. So, in other words, cut it back down to about oh, let's see, maybe about three inches or so to make sure that there's any kind of you know. So, if there are some heavy rains coming, and so it doesn't pack down the grass blades on top of each other because. Even though it's, you know, in theory, winter is over, you can still get some fungus growing in your lawns, and it's a a fungus that grows only or happens only during the cool season. So that's very, you know, very conscious and very important because we have a very difficult circumstance because we're in that transition zone where the north meets the south. And so, I mean, it's... In some ways, it's great because we get to grow lots of different things that other people can't just of, you know, 100 or 200 miles north or south of us. And uh, so that's good, but also it makes it really difficult for things like diseases or circumstances like that. So, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines are open, so give us a call, and we'll talk about what's going on in your plant world. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? Good, good. So quick question. Would today be a very good day to trim back my knockout roses? Certainly wouldn't hurt. I mean, it might be a little bit. Usually it's, uh, you know, February seems a little bit early, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it seems to be a little warm. All right, I think, and then feed them. I probably will wait a couple months, I would imagine. Yeah, don't feed them probably until you start to see the, you know, the foliage growth starting to emerge. In the first feeding or so, uh, make sure that you're using rose food too, not just generalized fertilizer, because the rose food will have specific nutrients that the roses really will be more robust as a result of that. Okay, perfect. Thanks for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, it's okay. uh, the. I mean, this year just it seemed like uh, winter. Was there a, really a winter? Of the oh, anyway, enough of that stuff. Let's head over to Larry's. Hi, Larry. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I I I have an easy question. You've probably told us this a hundred times. Would you do a Scott's four step on Zoysia, or would you do something differently? Um. I don't see anything wrong with doing that, but uh, I just don't like to consistently do the same type of fertilizer year after year after year after year because certain nutrients build up to a a situation or a a circumstance in your soil that consequently can be detrimental to whatever, you know, plant material you're trying to grow. That's why I don't like to do the same thing year after year after year. In particular, like phosphorus and potassium, those two nutrients can be detrimental if the level gets too high in your soil. And the way to find out if it is, of course, is getting a soil test done. All right. So so not going with the Scots. And if I've done that before, what would you go with in the spring then? I would say what look at what the Scots fertilizing, you know, what the fertilizer numbers are. And just find one that's probably a little bit less as far as the last two numbers in the series of three main numbers. Okay. And then one more quick question. Uh, I have a, a Japanese maple that's been in the ground probably at least four years. Uh, if I dig a big enough ball in the spring, what do you think my chances are of moving it? I, I'm sorry. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I guess I lost you. I, I'm driving. Hands-free, hands-free, by the way. Uh, all right, I've got a, a Japanese maple that's been in the ground probably at least four years, maybe longer. And I, if I dig a big enough ball, maybe like a two-feet, three-feet ball, uh, and move it, what are my chances, you think, doing that in the spring? Well, I mean, yeah, I would probably get it done as soon as possible before any kind of new growth begins or before the weather gets too warm. So just realize that. And just realize that how heavy that root ball is going to be. So, are you moving right. it for us, you know, because you have to? I want to put it in a different yard. I want to, I want to move it, give it to my son. It's a tree. You know, I mean, I like Japanese maples, and he's got a spot for one, and this one's kind of crowded, and I just thought maybe give it a shot and try to move it. Well, that's fine, but what you need to do is. 
the area that you're going to move it to, get that prepared first before you dig up the tree. Right. I understand. Okay. I understand. And you would not trim that guy before you move him or anything like that. And even if I put him in the ground, just leave it and not trim it, correct? Right. And make sure that the hole that you dig in the new locations, three times the diameter of the root ball that you're going right. to— yeah. And only about 80% or, you know, 75% is deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is going to be above the surrounding ground. Right. I understand. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go from Larry's yard over to, let's go to Pat's. Hi, Pat. Hello, Pat. Pat, are you there? Guess not. So let's go to Candy's yard now. Hi, Candy. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. My question is, after you put a pre-emergent down, how long do you have to wait before you can put grass seed down? I would say uh, probably at least three or four weeks. Maybe even, yeah, probably, you know, three or four weeks would be adequate. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head out to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Uh, two quick questions. What's your opinion of grow bags? I uh, did I. Oh, go ahead. What's your opinion of grow bags? I think they're you know more trouble than they're worth, to be honest with you. But I mean, if well, there, there's nothing wrong to... with them, it's just it's you know you're you're kind of spending more money than you need to. Okay, but we. Will you have success with them? Will they grow efficiently? Uh, what are What are you trying to grow as far as in the grow bags? Uh, tomatoes, uh, green beans, etc. Just because I can put it in a sunny spot where I can handle it. Okay. Well, I would say give it a try, and uh, nothing. You know, sort of like. Uh, Nothing is better than actually some experiment on your own part to see what you think of it. But, uh, you know, it, I just, I don't know. I'm, maybe okay. I'm just being too uh, you know, pessimistic, but uh, you may have great success with it. Okay. Uh, second question, how do you treat mealy, mealybugs? I've got a lot on my jade plants. Uh, I read it, alcohol will clear them off, or what's your best? Recommendation. I mean, that's, you know, that's fine. Or if you've got a, are they on the foliage or on the stem or all the, all over the place? More or less all over. Okay. I would say you could just take a, a paper towel and you kind of dampen it a little bit and just wipe them off as opposed to doing anything else. With no product on the paper towel? You don't need, physically you're knocking them off or you're killing them by wiping them off. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Brian's yard. Hi, Brian. Yeah, I got a bit of an unusual question. My girlfriend's from Florida. She misses being in Florida, and she wants me to buy, of all things, a palm tree and put it in my home and grow it that way. I mean, I have to get a huge pot to put the thing in. Is that feasible? Because I think palm trees need, like, a lot of water and a lot of sunlight no they they really don't need a lot of water most palm trees grow in a sandy soil circumstance so in other words there can be water 
but they don't have moisture around the, the actual plant. It goes past the root system. So it depends upon what type of palm that you're thinking about growing. But there's a lot of palm trees that are sold as houseplants. It's not oh, okay. going to be the classic, you know, palm that has the, the big, you know, woody trunk with just the leaves at the very top. Right. And also what you might do is go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and check out and see which palms that they would recommend. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Yep. I mean, there is lots of different kinds of palm trees, but they, they don't have that classic, you know, in Florida or California that type of circumstance, and just realize that, uh, you know, they do need a well-drained soil. They don't want to be uh, overly watered. So just all that kind of stuff that you're going to have to put together to have good success with them. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'm anxious to see how my... uh, Cannas and my elephant ear bulbs are going to be, you know, new growth is going to be coming. Because this is the first year I didn't pull them out of the pots that I have them in. I just put the pots in the garage. And uh, historically, I'd pulled them out of the pots and taken them inside into the basement. But I thought, I'm going to try it a different way. Because I just like to experiment around with things just to kind of see how they're doing. But uh I, you know, I'm starting to see some of the growth coming in the, you know, the can of stubs for where I cut them off before I moved them into the garage. So that's going to be interesting. I'm not seeing anything from the elephant ears yet, but I'm going to move the pots outside and just kind of see what happens. And uh, like I say, it's just real fun playing with plant material. Mike Miller, KM Morris Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines are open. Let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about sunflowers. Uh, Last year I grew like a 50-by-20-foot plot, got a few hundred plants. You're cu- you're cutting out. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah. Well, my question is about sunflowers. I have a, I grew a twenty by fifty foot plot last year, a few hundred plants. Whoa! And I collected the, a lot of the seed. The rest I let the birds have. But I was thinking about putting a quarter acre field. The whole thing in sunflowers I have. I only cut that field once a year. It's in fescue. And was wanting to know if I should kill that fescue grass using some kind of ground clear chemical and then plow it up and disc it? Or should I just plow it up and disc it and spread seed on it? I would say you don't have to get rid of the fescue because the only the only problem is it's gonna really elongate if you don't get rid of the fescue. And is that going to cause an aesthetic problem, you know, in your sunflower field? Okay. But the, it's an aesthetic call more so than anything else. Second question is, to, to plant that field buying seed on the Internet, it's going to be really expensive. You know, you buy bags of seed. Right. And But is that 
sun, I buy sunflower seed for my feet bird feeders. Is that black sunflower seed I get in 50-pound bags? Can you plant that and expect it to germinate and grow? Well, it may germinate, but it's not really going to grow very well. Ah. That's why you don't see any big fields of sunflowers in this region. You know, I mean, there are some larger plots of you know sunflowers, but they're grown in different parts of the country than what we're able to do. And so, I mean, the sunflowers I planted last year got eight foot tall, and some of them at least, and had big heads on them. They right. did fine. Uh, but the seed, when you buy it in those smaller packages, like, gets pretty expensive. Yeah, it does. To buy a, plant a quarter-acre field. I, I guess I might need to try another source then of sunflower seed, try to find it somewhere else. Yeah, or what you could do is, you know, experiment with them because your individual circumstance is going to be, you know, let's say individual and maybe get some different kinds of sunflower seed and try and see which one has done is going to do the best. And then in the future, you'll know which one that you want to plant. Sounds great. And then last question is, the seeds I collected last year from, I should expect them to grow. How did, how, how did you store them? In, inside the house. Okay, inside the house. And you, yeah, they they got no moisture or anything. They're still fine. I would say I'd run my hands through them and see how they feel, and then again, treat them just like I was speaking of getting some different types to see how well they'll do. Try this one and see what happens. Okay, and then I guess for I was hoping those bird seed would work because that's fairly cheap. Right. Uh, you know, fifty pounds is forty five dollars. <laughs> right. But I guess I'm going to – maybe I'll run to an actual – there's a feed supply store down in Belleville, I believe. I Maybe I'll just run down there and talk to them. Yeah. Or you can – go. I, I mean, again, go, uh, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see which varieties of sunflowers they recommend. Okay. Well, that's funny. I'm on my way to the Botanical Gardens to see the orchid show right now. All right. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Well, great. Uh, I did ask them last year, and they didn't know about the bird seed, but that's okay. Okay. Uh, I'll try it again. All yeah. right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I would say try the website as opposed to you know just talking to some of the staff members. I haven't tried that yet. Okay. So it's mobot.org. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Um, hi. Um, my backyard has a bunch of areas that are just dirt, another whole area that's all weeds, and a large area that's very thin, muddy grass right now. So I'm unsure if I should start with, like, the crabgrass stuff or fertilizer, if I should just seed. What Let's, do you think? Well, I, you know, putting a crabgrass preventer down. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
Tecovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tecovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade, handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. You don't even know if, you know, I mean, do you know you've historically had crabgrass? Not necessarily. Okay, so then I would not do that. I would say get this, you know, have somebody come out and take a look, and you may have to do some preparation before you put any kind of seed down and have any kind of good luck with it. Like like aerated or raked? Or right, aerated and put a or... layer of compost down and, you know, only like a, a half inch or so of compost. And that will, you know, after you aerate, then the compost falls down in the hole. And it may take a while, a couple of years before you're going to really enrich your soils because it sounds like it's, are these bare spots and everything as a result of proximity to trees? Or is it a low spot where water sits or what exactly caused that? Um, we had kind of a mole invasion and I have a large lab and he was kept trying to dig them up. Oh, I see. <laughs> So they're just big areas where it's just dirt. Right. And also just the compaction that, you know, dogs running and stuff like that, that compacts the soil a lot. So, uh, yeah, definitely get the, you know, some core aeration done, spread some compost and kind of you're almost kind of starting from the beginning. And if you got certain spots that you really want to have, you know, impacted, let's say aesthetically ASAP, then you're going to skip the seed and go with some of the sod in areas. Okay. When can you put that down? This far. The seed or the sod? The sod, as soon as it's available at the garden center, and it's a little bit premature for putting seed down. Uh, ideally, go to your favorite garden center, get a soil thermometer, and when you start to see the soil temperature is 55 degrees for several days in a row, that's when you can put the grass seed down. Okay, great. 
Well, thank you very much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Kevin's. Hi, Kevin. Yes, I have a couple of questions. The first one is our son getting married over by a pond uh, at some of our other property, and I wanted to have a wildflower zinnia mix on some ground there. Does a person need to put something down to kill the weeds and grass? It's pretty well bare where I'm doing it. There was an old house there. Are we okay with just kind of roughing up the ground and putting them? Yeah, I mean, zinnias are, yeah, I mean, they're pretty tough. But uh, just realize when's it, you know, I mean, it takes them a while to germinate, grow, and then, you know, form flower heads. So just be realistic when you're looking at time frame wise. And if this area is kind of just bare and it was a house was there or whatever else was there, you should probably improve that soil before you put any kind of, you know, seed down at all. Right. But I'm going to use mainly zinnias, too, so they bloom all year uh, or all summer. Yeah. About when when could I plant them? Well, again, it's uh, probably a little bit too too early. I would say you're probably, for something like that, late April, early May. Very good. And then one last question. Uh, Japanese maples, I think I've heard you say now's the time to prune them. Yeah, I mean, well, the maples in general prefer to be pruned during the summertime. So that's the ideal time because there's less sap flow. But, uh, you know, I mean, some people prune them sort of out of sequence related to that, and they have okay success, but sometimes you can kind of mess them up a little bit. Okay, well, sure enjoy the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Sure. And now let's see what's going on in Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good morning, and thank you for your show. I got a a question about trees, but uh, first I want to let you know I just got back from Home Depot, and I bought some rat poison down there, and the checkout lady asked me if I wanted it wrapped up or did I want to eat it there. (laughs) Hey, uh, I'm trying to plant a couple of trees in my yard. I'm going to take some uh, ash trees out, and uh, I'm going to replace... You know, with I just wanted some smaller trees, and I wanted to know how I would find out what kind of trees are around Bush Stadium. Um, let's see. Well, you could call. I mean, call the stadium because they've got a grounds crew that takes care of them. I should, you know, I just can't think of what they are. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's so hard to get through. You know, it's like ticket sales and stuff, and I, I don't know how to get in touch with the ground crew. But I guess I'll try again you know right and what you can do is just when when they start you know when they actually leaf out you you could go down and just you know take a picture of the foliage and everything and then you could go to a garden center and then they could tell you what it, you know what it actually what the variety because i have. thought it, if it's good enough for bush stadium it should be good enough for me you know? <laughs> very true <laughs> all right hey thanks for your service mike sure that's but, uh, yeah, I mean, those are tough spots because of the trees are growing in more or less cutouts of uh, the sidewalk. So there's concrete yeah. all the way around them. So it's very, I mean, it's hot and everything else. So the soil is really, really warm. I should yeah, probably, you know, you know I've like, done lots of good gardening strolls uh, there before the show. So I should probably remember, but I don't remember which variety they are. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Anyway. All right. Good luck. 
Mike, wow. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to, uh, let's go to Ben's yard first. Hi, Ben. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just like to know, is it too late to trim rose bushes? No, no, it's almost too early. Oh, really? Yeah, it's right on the cusp, so no. This is a good, you right. know. Uh, I can go ahead and trim, right? Pardon me? I can go ahead and trim them, right? Yeah, uh, you can, or you could even wait for another, you know, week or two. You don't have to rush out and do it. It's, it's uh, you know, there's no, are we talking about shrub roses? Are we talking about hybrid teas, grandiflores? It's uh, all, they, they bloomed only during the summer months. Okay. So probably, uh, are they just like three or four stems, or is it a big bush with all kinds of stems? It's, uh, it's, it's. They're, they're big bushes with all kinds of stems. Okay, so it's probably... Right now, I have leaves around them to protect them from the winter. Right. I have leaves around them, but I just wanted if it was too early to uh, to trim them or too late. No, 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 it's not too late by any means. So you still have time. You want to, you, you want to do the pruning before, uh, you know, any kind of the new growth begins. So you don't have to rush out and do it today or, you know, within the next few days. But you still got time to do it. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head to Susan's. Hi, Susan. Good morning, Mike. I have two questions. I remember you said that you grew rhubarb in large pots. Did you place them in the garage in the winter? I I did this year. Usually, usually what I do is, you know, any kind of plants or any kind of bulbs or something that I want to preserve— I take those inside into the basement, but some of the, you know, this year I just put them in the garage and because I, I want to see what happens. Okay. Well, our garage, it never freezes. It gets to be about 40 because it's heated. Oh. So I think that would probably be like your basement then. Right. Yeah, probably would be. Okay. And two, uh, would you please recommend an arborist? Uh, pr- probably... Uh, try uh, Timberline Tree Care. Timberline Tree. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's head over to, uh, let's go to Mary's. Hi, Mary. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, Two things. First of all, for the gentleman looking for the sunflower seeds, he can probably get some bulk seeds from, like, one of the seed catalogs. I get seed catalogs from, like, Johnny apple seeds or Johnny seeds or something like that. Mm. A lot of them sell seeds in bulk. Right. So he could call around a couple of those and see if he can find some bulk sunflower seeds. I'm sure he can. Right. And then then the second thing is you talking about how you left your uh, summer bulbs in, your elephant ears. I had to go take a peek at mine, and I'm further north than you are, and I didn't expect to see anything, and I, of course, didn't. There's no sign of life, even with our warm weather. Right. So I just covered them all back up. So if anybody who's going out to peek at things that might be coming up, make sure you cover them back up really good because they should not be up this time of year. Right. There's too much water content. Absolutely. Yeah. That's everything, darling. Have a great day. Well, thank you. And now let's head over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi. How are you doing? Very good. Um, I just had a, a quick question. I went down the basement 
and notice I had a potted azalea plant that I didn't get put into the ground last year. And so I brought it in the house, and it's blooming. Ooh. So is there anything special I need to do? It's only got two blooms on it, but I don't want to kill it since I've managed to keep it. Right. Uh, basically, since it's in flower, it probably needs fertilizing, and you want to make sure that you get a fertilizer for azaleas or for acid-loving plants. Okay. And, and can I – go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, and first, you know, and fertilize it with just half the label rate. Half the label rate. Okay. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Oh, can I put it in the ground this year after it's, after it's done blooming, or can I do it at any time? Well, it may not be a hardy variety if it's, you know, survived inside like that. Okay. Yeah, I did buy it at a big box grocery store okay. on clearance. So, so yes. Maybe, okay. Yeah. I mean, there are azaleas that, you know, grow in other parts of the country that can't grow here. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And speaking of azaleas, I've been you know checking some of the azaleas in my neighborhood. I'm not seeing any kind of color showing on any of those at all. But obviously inside it's a little bit warmer. And I'm assuming that uh, she had it in front of a window or something because or under grow lights. But anyway, let's head over to Lori's. Hi, Lori. Good morning, Mike. Quick question. Can, uh, when is the best time? And even if this isn't, or when's the best time to trim an oak leaf hydrangea? You want to transplant it? No, I'm sorry, trim it. Oh, trim it? Well, the oak leaf hydrangea is a, you know, is a summer bloomer, so basically you want to make sure that you get it pruned before any kind of new growth is starting to show. Right. Okay. And what about um, Wygela or Wigula? Well, there's summer bloomer, too, so it's the same type of circumstance. Great. Enjoy your show. Thanks so much, Mike. Well, thanks. Yeah, and the oak leaf hydrangea really doesn't need to be pruned. So, I mean, they get a little wild and rangy, but that's kind of just their genetics. And I don't know if we can get Jim. Jim, can you do it kind of quick? Uh, yeah, I'll try to be real quick. I've got a uh, small pasture area. It's, it's real small, half to three-quarters of an acre that I graze chickens in. Uh, grass-fed uh, pork on it, and they've worn it down this year. It was Kentucky bluegrass. It got grown up to crabgrass, so I want to uh, separate half of it and reseed it. So what should I should I seed that and fertilize at the same time, and, and I'm going to keep the pigs and chickens off it for a while, off half of it? Uh, yeah, you should you know prepare, the, do a core aeration first, put some compost down, and then put the seed down. Same time. Yeah. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, see you next week. Why? Why? If you Why? have T Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T Mobile prioritizes certain T Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. 
Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.